Bonjour, hi, I'm Pascal Auclair. I hope this talk supports you in your practice. J'espère que cet enseignement vous sera aidant. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed. Vous pouvez me soutenir en cliquant sur le bouton sous ma photo. Your support is greatly appreciated. Merci. Okay, so maybe just to uh, put us in the mood or to lighten things up a bit, uh, an- another um, poem from uh, Naomi Shihab Nye. And uh, in this one, there's a little bit of uh, Arabic, so Muriel and friends who know the language will forgive me when I get to that part. My Arabic is not, uh, it's not so fancy these days. Um, so, I don't know if you've heard this one before, but uh, it, this poem is called Wandering Around an Albuquerque Airport Terminal. And so, uh, she writes, and has some length to it, but I think it's worth it. After learning my flight was uh, detained for four hours, I heard the announcement If anyone in the vicinity of gate 4A understands any Arabic, please come to the gate immediately. Well, one pauses these days. Gate 4A was my own gate. I went there. An older woman in full traditional Palestinian dress, just like my grandma wore, was crumpled to the floor, wailing loudly. Help! said the flight uh, service person. Talk to her. What is her problem? We told her the flight was going to be four hours late and she did this. I put my arm around her and spoke to her haltingly. Shudoha, shubiduk, abit bit, stani, stani, shwe, min, fadlik, shobit, siwi. Okay. Hers was better than mine. The minute she heard any word she knew, however poorly used, she stopped crying. She thought our flight had been cancelled entirely. She needed to be in El Paso for a major medical uh, treatment the following day. I said, no, no, we're fine. We'll get you there. It's just late. Who is picking you up? Let's call uh, him and tell him. We called her son and spoke with him in English. I told him I would stay with uh, his mom till we got to the plane and would ride next to her southwest. She talked to him. Then we called her other sons just for the fun of it. (laughs) Then we called my dad, and he and she spoke for a while in Arabic and found out, of course, they had ten shared friends. (laughs) Then I thought just... For the heck of it, why not call some Palestinian poets I know and let them chat with her? This all took about uh, two hours. She was laughing a lot by then, telling about her life, answering questions. She had pulled a sack of homemade uh, marmol cookies, little powdered sugar, uh, crumply mounds stuffed with dates and nuts out out of her bag, 
and was offering them to all the women at the gate. To my amazement, not a single woman declined uh, one. It was like sacrament. The traveler from Argentina, the traveler from California, the lovely woman from Laredo, we were all covered with the same powdered sugar and smiling. There were, there were there are no better cookies. And then the airline broke out the free beverage from use uh, from a huge uh, cooler, non-alcoholic. And the two little girls from our flight, one African American and one Mexican American, ran around serving all apple juice and lemonade, and they were covered with powdered sugar too. And I noticed my new best friend. By now we were holding hands had the potted plant poking out of her bag, some uh, medicinal thing, with green furry leaves. Such an old country, such an old country traveling tradition. Always carry a plant. Always stay rooted to somewhere. And I looked around that gate of late and weary ones and thought, this is the world I want to live in, the shared world. Not a single person in this gate, once the crying of confusion stopped, has seemed apprehensive about any other person. They took the cookies. I wanted to hug all of these other women too. <coughs> This can still happen anywhere. Not everything is lost. So I think that describes uh, well the kind of spirit that we want to bring uh, in our practice. Um, so, yeah, through the words of uh, Naomi Shihabnai, maybe the message comes through better than through my technical language <laughs> that I tend to use. Uh, there's this, uh, you see how immediate, simple it is. It's, it's nothing big. It's just this availability. This might be uh, tainted at some point by joy. Yeah? When you see there's a rejoicing about the cookie and the powdered uh, sugar. And sometimes it's colored by compassion. This woman is crying. I'm holding her hand. Let's uh, call her son. Let's call her sons. Let's call my father. This, this taking care of. And uh, this is what we're, uh, we're doing here. We're doing this inwardly a lot, taking care of this. Oh, so there's the Ottawa River, there's the light, there's the brightness. Then we rejoice. This is our uh, sugared, powdered cookie. You know? Wow. Amazing. The vastness of nature, the coldness, it's beautiful. And then we come here and there's a turmoil or torments at gate A4, you know. In here, <laughs> so oh, this is my gate. <laughs> Let me show up, you know, and see what I can do in that confusion, and try to be there for what's happening, you know. So this uh, this caring uh, quality that is invited here. And it's very intentional. This we do a whole weekend of this. It's an amazing thing because. 
as the Buddha and as neuroscience both agree, uh, and they do go along really well these last few years, you know, they really hang out together, the Buddha and the neuroscientists, and they have a lovely time <laughs> at their own gate. <laughs> but uh, they, they both agree that whatever you reflect upon um, regularly, and this is the words of the Buddha translated in English here, but whatever you reflect upon regularly will become the inclination of your mind. Yeah. And so this is what we do here. We try to... We try to get out of the other uh, trainings that we've done. You know, I don't know if you're like me, but I have all kinds of ghosts coming to visit as I'm sitting here. You know, I have uh, all kinds of confusions, all kinds of ways that I'm hijacked by my own mind. You know, and then I uh, reestablish this attention, this caring quality, or I try to. I look. Where can it be? How can I? You know, and then find my feet again. Can I care about the sensations there? That's my entry door. You know, or the pressure on the chest, or the calmness in the room, or the sounds. Can I... Can that point of contact with reality be the opening door of caring, of friendliness? Can I start just there with that agitation, with that restlessness, with that uh, peace that happened to you know, land here for a few seconds. You know. Can I care about that? Whatever it is. Is, as I see it, the, this practice. And it is a training. It's not, uh, it's not, a, uh, it's not a, maybe an instant thing. You know. It's not like, okay, you know, I paid, I'm here, give it to me. <laughs> The Buddha, uh, you know, sometimes is presented as some kind of a god or something. It was just a teacher, just somebody who was saying, like, look, I have a few tricks that I can talk to you about, but I can't do it for you, you know. And it's not a free ride, you know. You, you Neuroscience is also with, with this. They say, well, you cannot actually do the neuroplasticity, change the way your, your brain functions, you know. It's possible. But it takes attending. It takes attending. I like somebody used the image. Uh, they said, it's a little bit like you're trying to change a riverbed, but without using your arms. You know, like just like you're sitting there. So there's these neural pathways, you know, and they go towards worry, and they go towards, you know, self-blame, and they go towards blaming others, and they go towards all kinds of ways, you know, planification, Incessant planification, and they go, and they, are, they, have, they, they have good grooves. You know? And then we sit here, and you say, not using your arms, try to change these riverbeds. You know, so it's a realigning constantly. Like, where is the caring? Where is the caring available? You know. Um, my enthusiasm about this is that I find it actually possible. I, I see, I've seen it in that, this mind, and in several others, mind, heart, that it's possible. So I'm very, in, you know, before I was, I had a lot of doubt about it, like, why, why did I do this to me, sign up for this weekend or that week, you know? 
it's not possible to change a riverbed without hands, you know. And, you know, all kinds of things like this. But now I don't have that anymore. I just know that it's doable and it's a matter of actually doing it and starting where one is, not somewhere else. I wish I was somebody else or felt differently. No, here now it's possible to do that. It's a, it's a, the conditions are good to do that, even if they might look like they're challenging. Uh, And so, when there's the cultivation of metta, it says that there's three ways that one can reinforce that uh, groove in the mind, that attitude of the mind, <coughs> is to actually reflect on this. Reflect on it, like, so, th- so reflect, reflection, thinking about it, thinking, thinking, how is my, how is, how is it to be me when there's not that quality that is there? How is it to be, to have this experience of being a human when there is that quality that is there? To reflect on it and say, well, I don't know for you, but for me it's very clear if I think about it. When it's absent or present, the difference in the experience, there's a softness, there's a, there's a brightness maybe, or a field of possibility. If there is a kindness, it seems like things open, open up. Even if they're difficult, this courage is not very far. Uh, many other qualities are hanging on, uh, hanging around this friendliness. Absence of it, it's a little bit more dry, a little bit more pressing, a little bit more harsh. Yeah. So you can reflect on this. How is it when there is uh, your type, whatever type of friendliness or kindness of benevolence that is in a relationship between two people how is it when it's there when there's this quality of caring yeah I was reflecting on this at uh, after lunch I had a really amazing uh, grandmother she was called uh, Mémé Eau Claire yeah? she was born on the 25th of December so was her husband so she was called Noëlla and her husband was called Noël Aimé. And she had had very little schooling. I don't know how much, but very little. She could write, but she had a very strange kind of writing with many dash, dash, Pascal, dash, Mémé, ici, dash. She loves you so much, dash. And so I would be traveling in Asia, and I would get to the GPO, the General Post Office in Calcutta, let's say, and I would go you know, to see if somebody was thinking of me. And very often, there would be a letter from my grandmother to whom I had explained how to, or my mom was in. Anyway, there was, you know, Pascal, Eau Claire, GPO, Calcutta, something India, something like this. And then I would open this really strange little letter with a lot of scotch tape around it and stuff. And there was, um, there was always like... Um, that was way before recycling. She would always use the back cover of a Kleenex box or of a, of a cereal box. It would be cut in a kind of rectangular-ish way, you know. And then there would always be Pascal, dash, it's Mimi, dash, 3 a.m., dash, she loves you so much, dash, you are a butterfly, dash. 
fly, fly, butterfly, dash. <laughs> so, something like this. She was, she was amazing. She was huge. She was really, like, huge. She had, I, I, when I was a kid, I thought about her as a, I would say, you're my 12, uh, translation, you're my 12 stories, grandmother, you know, like you're one story, two stories, <laughs> many stories here, <laughs> levels, many levels, grandmother, and she had a beard. <laughs> and she would shave <laughs> a white beard uh, almost like mine and sometimes she would um, we had uh, I'm just kind of letting it rip off <laughs> here but she, uh, we had, you, do you remember these little um, uh, recorder machine that was like this with the cassette tape you would put with all the buttons here in the recorder so we would, uh, me and my cousin, she had uh, 10 to 11 kids and adopted another one. <laughs> uh, she was very, very generous. And uh, we were there with my cousins and my brother, and we would say, uh, we would go under the table, and we would press record, and we would say, Meme, Meme, fart. <laughs> and then she would, she was very generous. She would <laughs> She would fart uh, a big, uh, big cumulus, you know, like very round. And then we would come, come back up on the top of the table and replay. And then she would laugh and laugh and laugh. And she was like, I can't believe I'm doing everything you guys want me to do. You know? But there was a lot of love, you know. There was a lot of, of, of love in there. And so when the love was there, it, it was... Uh, it was a binding agent, cooling agent, refreshing agent. It was, uh, it was, uh, and so when it's there and when it's absent, absent, you know, we can see the difference uh, uh, there in relationships. We can reflect upon this also uh, in communities. When in communities there is this level of the level of caring, a certain level of caring and attention to each other, you know how it is when there is this in the community and when there isn't this. Yeah. A recent, uh, the last retreat I was teaching, um, there was uh, this retreat center where I am, uh, where, I, where I was. There's, you can't uh, lock the doors. It's, been, it's a retreat center that's been there for decades. And uh, the, for I think it's coming up to 40 years, if I'm not mistaken. And for 40 years, there was never any luck anywhere. And so in your room, there was no luck. And the, and the agreement was that everybody was living on precepts and caring for everybody, so there was no need to luck anything. Even you know, if you went to buy stuff, there was a little money there, or the dana, you know, the, the money given to the center, to the teachers. It was all like this. For, I mean, up until maybe two weeks ago, it was like this. And during the last retreat where I was teaching, there was uh, money stolen uh, in different rooms. And, and it was the first time uh, in 40 uh, or maybe 37 years or something like this. And uh, it was amazing. To, the, the sense of being on retreat is a place I've been going for many years. And Janet lived there for several years also. And uh, 
suddenly the sense of like uh, being threatened and the, the absence of caring was so palpable and people were uh, really deeply touched they were saying this is my home this is my spiritual home this is I've been coming here forever we, you know and what's going on but then people showed up really nicely um, so so there was a few uh, thefts is that the way to say it so different rooms and stuff so people we did a con- kind of a council you know like all of us here but there was a hundred yogis a hundred retreatants we all gathered together and we said so this is what's happening you know we know that what are we going to do with this what, how do you feel so people express their fear and their concern <coughs> and so out, out, out of the community somebody said hey you know if people are afraid uh, this, this evening because some people were like I, I, in my room there's, you know there's no luck I don't want to sleep there tonight like I've never thought about this coming here before but now I don't, it doesn't feel good at all you know and uh, so somebody said you know what I can do is I'll take my mattress and I'll put it by the door uh, in the hallway tonight and I sleep there. And so that m- might help a little bit. And somebody else raised their hand and they said, oh, um, I my room is big. We could put two beds. So if somebody wants to bring their bed in, you know, if they feel unsafe, we could s- sleep uh, in different bed but in the, in the same room. And somebody else said, oh... I'll, I'll do walking meditation after the last sit, you know, so I'll stay up, you know, I stay up anyway, so I'll, I'll walk from 9 to 10, you know, and somebody said, oh, I'll walk from 10 to 11, and then re- hands, 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 and we said, oh, let's make a sheet, you know, and then 17 people signed up, there was people walking at 2 to 3, 3 to 4, 4 to 5, just walking in the hall, and somebody said, uh, you know, with all the money that was stolen, if all of us were to put like something like five dollar in a basket, then we would we could repay everyone that had money stolen, all the money that was stolen. So somebody went and got a, a basket, and everybody came back and put money in, and then the whole money was back. Do you see the binding quality of care? It was amazing. We were so touched. And then uh, one of the teachers in our group said, "You know, uh, there's we could learn a chant together." learn some chant together and just uh, go and walk all over the building all together and just chant this chant and just this chant of you know this Buddhist chant I can't remember what what <coughs> chant it was now I think it was the qualities of the heart actually it was uh, Metta Karuna Mudita Upekka so the Metta the, the kindness and uh, and the compassion caring for the capacity to care for the difficult, when the, the meta, the uh, good, the benevolent heart, you know, uh, meets what is difficult, it turns into compassion, this quality of being able to be touched, be there uh, for the difficult without falling in despair and shutting down or, you know, anger, the capacity to really be there with suffering without, without uh, missing a beat, we could say. And the other quality is the mudita, the, the joy, the joy, the capacity to rejoice, rejoice for what is good, you know. So there's this benevolent heart. When something beautiful happens, it just it doesn't fall into comparing. But it's not happening to me, or why not me? I want this too. Envy. It's just wow, beautiful. Something is working well somewhere. That's an occasion for uh, uh, joy, you know. 
So this and the equanimity is the quality of balanced heart that can make the metta sustainable, you know, give it duration, give it uh, depth, give it courage. And it can, the equanimity also does that for uh, compassion. When compassion meets suffering, when the heart meets suffering, if the mind has developed good balance, these are qualities we're developing here today. You know, the capacity to stay here, even if it's difficult to show up, you know, this equanimity, then it's very useful when things get difficult and when things get joyful. One can have balanced mind also, the capacity to be with the pleasantness without shutting down in ways that we often do or grabbing on, you know, or fearing losing. Just, oh, beautiful. Feels good. You know, stability of heart and mind. So we learn the chant, mudita, metta karuna, mudita upeka. I think that was that simple. And then we just started uh, walking in the hallways all over the place, a hundred voices, just walking around and kind of reclaiming the space. And then after people said, wow, that was an amazing retreat. I've been coming here for 20 years and I've never felt the sense of uh, community so powerful. Some people were saying it was really personally healing in my life to be in that field of care even caring for uh, the people who had done the harm, you know, like, oh, what's going on for them? What's the the sense that was that it was not coming from inside, it was coming from outside. Uh, some people had been seen that were unknown to the community. There's a, a little city, town, close by. And there's a, you know, financial crisis in America, like maybe here or something, so... Who knows what's going on here? Um, so this uh, this quality of uh, metta. Somebody was asking uh, just earlier today. So when we send the metta to somebody else, so this uh, last version that I talked about, where you bring somebody to mind and you send wishes through maybe the sentences that's one way to do it sending wishes through a few sentences so there's the image of the person the phrases and the intention I know what I'm saying I'm not just saying empty phrases you know like I know there's a may you be well truly may you have ease of mind you know so when one does that the question was does that reach them do we do this for them and the answer my understanding of this practice is actually it's the cultivation of this heart that we're doing here so it's here that we're growing the love the neural neural connections it's in it's in here it it's unknown it's not clear if it's reaching out or not my sense is that this person that i spend some amount of time wishing well to when i see them next time the there's a sense that the interaction will be colored, tainted by that, uh, that, oh, you're my good friend in my practice last weekend. You were my good friend, you know? Yeah. So. 
So we do this for this uh, being in that field here. And maybe it reaches. I don't know about that. But I think that there's nothing uh, lost by uh, cultivating uh, caring in this person here. Another question maybe that might arise uh, in you is um, why are you, Pascal, teaching two ways? Because I, I seem to be teaching two ways. Am I the only one thinking that? <laughs> you know, uh, with the phrases, sending the wishes through the phrases, or through just, uh, I mean, maybe there's more than two ways even, you know. Like, so I bring somebody to mind and I wish them well. Maybe I hang out with them silently or I send them wishes. Or I'm just being here in this room, really here in this room, in a kind way, or as much as possible. I think I do this because I've seen that many people do not connect with the version, the classic version of the phrases. And because I think that actually there are many ways to cultivate friendly a friendly heart. And again, maybe my explanation, I don't know if I can translate it well, because it's the first time I word it in this way, but to me it's about human experience. Again, I experience people. That's I don't know exactly what it is to be Sharon inside, you know, but I do experience Sharon, you know, so it's an experience. I can bring friendliness to that experience. So if Sharon is not there and there's nobody in the room and I'm sitting here with my achy knee, that is also an experience. And to me, in a way, it's just another experience. What is the quality of relationship with that experience of the ekini? Yeah. And so, for me, it translates from one experience to the other, the experience of beings. And sometimes the experience is a mental experience because I'm thinking of my friend Julie. She's not here. You know, she's not, you know, skin and blood and... <coughs> meet and, <laughs> you know, interaction. It's a thought. It's thinking. I'm thinking of her. Can that thinking be colored by friendliness? You know? And then, whoops, she appears. It's a different experience when I'll see her, I don't know, Wednesday evening, when I'll see her. It'll be a different experience than the me thinking of her. No, it'll be a new experience. Can that be colored by friendliness? So that's a little bit how I see this. You know that the first time the Buddha seemed to have uh, taught uh, uh, metta was uh, this particular situation where um, every year when you're a monk or a nun, there is what we call the rains retreat. So there's a if you happen to be a monk or a nun in uh, in Asia, there's the monsoon, and the monsoon is a lot of rain falling, and it's a good time to actually uh, find one little spot and not move too much. You know, for often it's three months. So there's the rains retreat. So there was a group of um, nuns and monks that uh, were going on the rains retreat, and uh, the Buddha said to them. I think you guys should go in such and such area. It'll be a good place for you to practice. It's a quiet forest. 
and it's near a little village, so you'll get uh, food from the villagers. They'll be happy to support you, and I think that would be a good spot for you. And they went there, and they were in the forest, and they got afraid. In the storytelling, it says that they felt there was ghosts there, or spirits of the forest that were not happy to have that many monks and nuns around, and they were trying to scare them. And so they came back to see the Buddha, and they said, could we do the range retreat somewhere else? Is there somewhere else that is a safer place where we could be? And the Buddha said, I'll teach you a chant, and learn this and a practice. Learn the chant, because in the chants are, are the, the instructions for the practice. Learn that, do this, and you'll feel safe. You can go right back there. And so they did that. They learned the chant. They went back chanting the chant. And they uh, found a way to be there, maybe in, in, uh, in a good relationship with the spirits of the trees that were there, that are called the devas sometimes, or, uh, in the Buddhist tradition. Or maybe if I think of myself in, in my modern uh, Western life, I don't know about spirits of trees. It's not an experience that I've had personally. But I know that when I go in the wood, I can at night I get can get scared shit shitless shit, <laughs> shit something as <laughs> a word there, <laughs> and so and I I know also that if I go on the on the little rains retreat, let's say from Thursday evening to Sunday lunchtime, like a little bit like this, sometimes I'm visited by inner ghosts, you know, inner uh, obsessions and inner. Uh, you know, unresolved uh, pieces of business and confusion and all this. And if there was a Buddha that I could run back to, maybe I would run back to him and say, like, look, that doesn't work, your weekend thing, you know, it's too difficult. If there's something I can do, and maybe he would say, here's a chant, you know, here's a practice you can do. Is this practice of kindness. It will protect you. It was taught as a protection for the mind. And I've experienced it like this. When my mind gets busy and caught in stories, if I go back to some caring about something in there, caring about the other person that I'm angry at, caring about me that I'm an angry person, caring about just this achy heart, or caring about just the sound here in this room, you know. If there's a quality of caring that comes, it I feel it as a protection. Like, um, I see it as a soft shell, if I use the outdoors uh, kind of language, you know. It's not an armor, it's not like, I'm going to protect myself, you know. It's not like this, it's extremely soft. It's a soft shell of caring. And so just, just, you could imagine, uh, you could imagine... uh, You know, let's go back a few years back, maybe 2,600 years back. And this is what it would sound like. I'll do it in a bit in Pali. That's the Metta Sutta, the, the, the discourse of the Buddha, the, the chant that they taught. Karaniyam Mata Kusalena. Yantam santam padam abhisamecha saku ujucha suhujucha 
suacho chasa mudu anatimadi santu sakocha subarocha apakichocha salaukauti santindriocha nipakocha apagabo kulesu ananugido Nachakudam samachare kinchi yena winu pare upawadeyum sukinowa kemino hontu sabesata bawantu sukitata and it goes on and this is the buddha saying uh, You know, this is what should be done by one who is skilled in goodness and who knows the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, um, gentle in speech, and not proud, like this version. Humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways, peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud and demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. You know, these five precepts we talked about yesterday. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. And wishing in gladness and in safety, may all beings be at ease, whether living beings, whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, great or mighty, medium, short or small, the seen or the unseen, the living near or far away, the born, to be born, may all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none through anger or ill will wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life, her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upwards to the skies and downwards to the depths, outwards and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Very precise instructions here. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection. It goes on a little bit more. But I, I like this part. Whether standing or sitting, lying down or walking, one should re- uh, sustain this recollection. And so that is exactly what we're doing here this weekend, bringing kindness, seeing if, see, see if it's available, seeing if it's available here now what form it can take, how it can manifest. In the teaching, we talk about the near and far enemies of uh, this metta. The near enemy is uh, is because it's uh, foggy. You, do, you can take this uh, different uh, attitude to be meta, it's not clear. 
can think it's love, unconditional love, but actually it's not because it's uh, it's something else. It can be uh, kamma, tanha. This, these words are in Pali. It means some desire, some attachment that we have. Sometimes we talk about pema. Pema is a kind of love that has attachment to it. And that's beauty in it. It's often the love that we experience in family. We love, but it's not unconditional. Unconditional love, I think, is often intermittent. It shows up and disappears. I don't know if you'll agree with this in our experience. Like we love unconditionally for a few seconds, and then we fear losing, or we don't want this person to act in this way because we would get angry. You know, it's not unconditional. It's uh, And so these are near enemies, maybe a strong words, but different states of mind. Uh, and so it's good to be aware of this. We can sometimes feel it. Oh, I, have, I, have, I feel love, but it's a love that has fear of losing. You know, it comes with... Uh, it's, uh, the hand is not completely open. It, it has this in it. The Buddha has um, had the, for um, several decades, he had this cousin with his attendant, uh, Ananda, who's also his very good friend, a companion. Uh, and Ananda had amazing love for the Buddha, was really taking care of him. It, some beautiful images you see in the text where... Uh, they're both el- elderly at some point in their 80s. And uh, Ananda is uh, rubbing the Buddha's back because the Buddha has a, a pain in the back, you know. And so you can imagine this to good old friends, these two cousins. And it was it said that he had so much love of the Pema kind, he loved them so much that he could actually not free his mind, Ananda. Because his love for the Buddha was so great, that uh, so uh, great, and with attachment to it, he didn't, you know. And it's only after the death of the Buddha that he could actually release the. So it's interesting to become aware of this. When is my love, pema love, and and it has its value, huh? because in the text, uh, when you read this. Often the Buddha will describe, will say uh, to people that you can buy into or not, but it's just interesting. He would say, you guys have a great friendship, but you've been traveling together for a long time. You've spent many lives together. You were husband and wife. You were companions. You were, you know, you were mother and son. In several lifetimes, you have a great pema. You, you travel your, your path of the heart opening together, you know. But it's that quality, so it uh, can be very beautiful and useful. But it's good to maybe notice the difference between one kind of and love and the other when it moves to. And sometimes it's passion. It's you know it's uh, comes with obsession and with uh, fear, and it's very entangled. So we call it love, but it's uh, it's a painful version. That's what it is to be a human being, I guess. Huh? It's this mixture. But we try to clarify in our heart what's happening, you know, how it moves. And maybe invite, oh, is there a love that has more 
I don't know if it's that the right word, purity to it, where it's an open hand, you know. It's not about the fruit. It's not I love you as an exchange. I love you if you do that. You know, I love you if you, you give me this, I'll give you that, you know. It's, uh, so we see it's pretty, uh, it's pretty high uh, standard there, you know. <coughs> the far enemy is far because you, from a distance, you can see the difference right away. So the ill will, you know, the wishing harm to somebody is clearly the uh, the uh, the opposite, and we can recognize that. I, uh, sometimes I tell this uh, story uh, I um, when I was uh, <clears throat> maybe almost 20 years ago I, I learned that I had uh, 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 um, a virus that was uh, life threatening the HIV virus and uh, and for um, it was a difficult situation to find oneself in. It was also I learned it just before the some good medication came out. And anyway, so there was a lot of complexity around this. But uh, I spent many uh, years, or a few years, certainly wishing I had a different life. You know, I would I would think about this often, you know, I would go to bed at night and think, you know, like if, if there was not this, you know, and then I would have this fantasy about the other life, you know, without that. And uh, often I would, I would uh, hate that situation I was in, you know, the different, different bits of it, you know, like I hate that aspect of that, I hate that. I hate the medication taking. I don't want to take medication. <coughs> I hate that I, you know, that there's so much hatred around this thing. I hate, you know, so many things around it. But anyway, I would often take a break in my life to think about this other life without that thing. And uh, one time I, uh, I was actually on retreat, like we are now, and I was sitting... And instead of attending to the present moment, or instead of uh, doing metta or something like this, I was checking out, you know, taking a break. And I was thinking about my life without medication that needs to be refrigerated, and <laughs> without, you know, and how it would be great, and you know, maybe comparing with somebody else's life that I, I was, I knew. And then I just came back, you know, to oh, you know, remembering that I had the intention to be there, you know. And then that, coming back, there was kind of a... It showed me an angle that I had never seen. Like, as I came back, it just appeared to me that it was a really painful thing to do, actually, this break in fantasy land that I was taking that I thought was pleasant, because for a while I was in a, in a life where things were pleasant. There was no... You know, it was, easy, easy, it was flowing there in that other made-up life. But as I landed back... I. I don't know, it, it's, it almost appeared like I saw from the corner of my eyes. This is, this is making this life miserable. 
you know, because I come back always to this. And then suddenly there was in me this wish to actually love this life. There was this, I want to be with this life, you know, I don't want to keep thinking about another life or somebody else's life or, you know, this, I want to change my relationship with this life. I want to attend to it, befriend it. Uh, I want it to become the beloved, you know, the, this life, that version, not the version without that complete version. And so there was a switch there for me, like you could say a meta-switch. There was like, oh, we go from another way to be, to hold this with resistance, at bay, uh, resentment, you know, uh, you know, or at best it's uh, tolerance, you know, I'm tolerating that life, you know, to let me take this on. Let me, I want to be with this one. I want to love it as crooked as it is, you know. It's a crooked life, okay, you know. And to me there was a switch there, there was a, and I think that's the wholesomeness we're talking about, the friendliness we're talking about. You know, resisting is too painful, but I could not actually totally decide. It came out of attending and getting lost and attending and getting lost. And at some point, whoops, I could discover that that was a bad choice. I didn't know before. Before it was a good choice, if you ask me. I love doing this. Go to bed, think and wake up in the morning, ugh, that life, that HIV life, you know. Let me think about the other life. And, and then there was like, no, I want to sh- wake up with this life. I want to fall asleep at night with this life. And now I want to be in the cushion with this life. So it becomes very immediate. It's not like sitting here thinking, oh, I could be, I don't know, country, cross-country skiing somewhere else, or I could be somebody else, feeling something else, you know, not this, to, hey, let me care about this. Let me show up for this life as it is manifesting now. So I think that's uh, that's the invitation again here to see how can I meet this life in a wholesome way, in a caring way, this crooked life. You might have heard me talk about this also with the with the with the disease that I have. My sense was that yeah, the life was crooked. You know, like as you sit, you would like to be in a body that is very vertical and aligned and flowing and you sit and it's like it's, it's either like this or like that or like that so the image that I had with my life was that that there was a spear kind of sticking out like a huge is it the word? Spear? spear? spear I always get it wrong spear you know like I had the feeling like I'm living with this thing 
that is always there, you know, meeting people, and it's like, I hope they don't see the spear, you know. <laughs> and I know there's no spear, you know, and then it's like, okay, I have to talk to you about, yeah, you, yeah, there's a spear, you know, and the people are inviting me to go somewhere. I'm like, I'm getting in the car, you know, like, do you mind if we leave the window open, even if it's minus 20, because I have a spear, I'm living with a spear, <laughs> you know. And I go across the door, you know, and I'm like, oh. Can I just walk out like everybody else? I have to go on the side, you know, and accommodate the spear all the time. You know? And then in that switch, there was like, oh, but, you know, that's maybe something to do, to learn to leave, live gracefully with the spear on the side. You know? Could I do that? Would that be a good use of a life, a good, a good life to die and say, hey, you know, I lived for, you know, I don't know, a few decades with the spear, and I did it well, you know. It, you know, I, it didn't, uh, I was able to accommodate it and experience some freedom and joy and, and, you know, be with it, you know. Why not? Why, why would it have to be a, a life without a spear? <laughs> it's quite fine in a way, you know. So we go from the resistance to the meeting truly what is there, you know. And sometimes it's not like this. There's no spear. It, f- it feels very differently. It feels like you're on a rocket. <laughs> you're sitting on some rocket, you know, and you're flying through the sky and everything is good. Then the capacity to rejoice, you know. That's the free heart. So we do this step by step by showing up here in this challenging form. Do you agree with me? Or sometimes challenging. Some of us will say, like, oh, no, it's a breeze. You know, it's quiet. There's food prepared for us. I don't have to cook. You know, there's nature. I have my own bed. You know, nobody's having an opinion about who I should be. And it's, like, great. But often, you know, we get... uh, we get uh, caught in some web, in some tangles. You know. And so one way to develop this quality is to see how am I attending, what's my relationship to what is here now. Another way is to wish well to this being, to create a field of wishing for oneself or for somebody else. Tomorrow we'll try other people than the people for whom it's easy, maybe. Maybe one last thing that I could say here is um, there's an art on retreat as in life. Uh, There's an art about learning... um, when it gets difficult, how to nurture or brighten the heart-mind, you know, and not get stuck. It can get stuck. And so we have to find what are the ways that work for us to, because it's, it's very important to find ease, you know. And uh, so I would invite you to, uh, if it becomes challenging or before it does, to reflect on what is helpful for you. For many people, the contact with nature is helpful, to go by the river, to go in the woods. Uh, So that's one thing that we have here. 
Sometimes laying down a little bit is helpful. It's something that somebody can do. Uh, for me, I see that if I'm caught in some kind of uh, story, some kind of fascination, some kind of something, sometimes a connection with the body is helpful. So if I go down in the feet, but it takes some amount of... Uh, I have to... You know, the kind of um, default setting is to stay there, you know, in my obsession rehashing something, you know. And I have to go, Pascal, if you hear me, <laughs> try to come down in the feet, you know. And then, or can you hear the rumbling of the heater? These are things to me that are connective. Like, it really works for me, maybe for you too. <coughs> So I get I get out of the story. I bend in the story. Not now, not now. And I go towards hearing because with hearing sometimes there's a sense of uh, space, more space. I open the eyes. Oh, there's quietness here. Others are quiet. Not me, but there is a field of quietness in here. You know. Or maybe I can think of somebody who's inspiring. Some, somebody who's, uh, you know, it's been good to me. I can t- think of Mimi Claire. You can think of Mimi Claire. <laughs> <laughs> and so, think of this being, you know, where I was saying to somebody earlier, you know, you might not have uh, met uh, the Dalai Lama, for example, but it might be somebody you've seen here and there and looks very happy. You know, go hang out with him bring him to mind, you know, or somebody else, you know, I'm just, it's just the one that I bring to mind, because I think he has a lot of meta-flowing, he's done his work, you know, and, and he says that, he says that when he goes around and he meets people, he always feels like he's meeting old friends, like he, it's his immediate sense, and people report that, they say like, wow, I, felt, I feel very seen by him, you know, there's probably fluctuations in his mind-heart, like there is in many of the human hearts, you know, but you have a sense that there's a friendliness that is uh, accessible there. So one thing one can do is to think of somebody who is inspiring and think of them and wish them well. May this being be well. May this being be well. And then in this way, it's a little bit like the Metta Sutta where the, the Buddha said, send wishes of well-being. That will protect you. you know? So that maybe is one tool that uh, we have. Is that a little helpful or inspirational? Something to keep us going on that journey there? So now there is um, dinner, and uh thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit Dharma Seed dot org slash donate.